And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how's life with fatherhood fast approaching? You know, it's it's going pretty good, but before we get into the deep uh, bowels of thought about what it's going to be like to be a father, why don't we discuss how awesome your weekend turned out and how I watched the games alone this weekend. You want to do that? I I uh, I hesitated even telling you what I ended up doing this weekend, but I at some point I was going to have to get some tweets off, and then you would have noticed. So I figured I might as well tell you early that uh, you know we uh, my my yeah. girlfriend came with me to, to Minneapolis, and we decided on like Friday afternoon to ditch our flights back and drive back to Columbus, and we made a pit stop in Madison on the way and went to the Ohio or the uh, Penn State Wisconsin game. Have you ever booked a round trip flight and then taken both flights? <laughs> <laughs> like, have you ever just like followed through on the on the plane trips? Uh, yes. For, for I would say like probably like three out of the last five times I've flown, I have not done that. But uh, when I flew to Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson in 2019. I I flew there and flew back. I did not uh, abort my travel plans and then drive home for the for the second leg. Yeah, one time Landis uh, drove back from uh, was it Oregon? I listen. All right, I had I'm a nervous flyer and I was in the airport. And I had like a full blown panic attack in the airport and I was like I cannot get on this plane and I drove home from San Francisco <laughs> to Columbus. San Francisco. Yeah. Was, well. Uh, for medical medical reasons. Yeah, medical reasons. Okay, I wasn't trying to make fun of your panic attack. It was uh, a nice drive. But it does seem like a nice drive, especially any drive that goes through Reno. Um, but it was good uh, this weekend. I enjoyed the games. I think you made the comment to me before we started watching uh, talking today that the games on paper were really, really good, but I don't know that we got the product we were hoping for. Like, there were some interesting results, and, you know, I think I heard a stat that, like, there were 15 games between... Uh, multiple levels of college f- football. So, like, Power 5, uh, Group of 5, uh, 
group of five, division two and, and so on. And like, there were like 15 games where the lower level team won, which yeah. is pretty cool. Like Washington losing to Montana. If that gets your fancy going that, I mean, that's cool. Um, but I don't know. Like the Penn state, Wisconsin game was kind of tough to watch the Georgia Clemson game. There. <laughs> yeah. The, the Georgia Clemson game was entertaining because it meant something, but also wasn't that invigorating. I just, but I did, I did think that it was interesting to just see Georgia's defense dominate. Um, yeah. I think dominant defense is entertaining to watch, but I kind of like scoring a little bit more. Um, and there were no offensive touchdowns in that game. And, you know, the UCLA game and the, uh, the UCLA went over LSU was entertaining. And, you know, there were some other games that were kind of fun, but, I think it sounds like you had a better weekend than it would have been if you were just sitting with me all day. Because like even like Texas Louisiana was kind of a it wasn't a blowout, but it wasn't close, so that game was kind of annoying. Uh, Michigan Western Michigan was a blowout. Like I, all the games, I was super excited to watch. It kind of just like seemed like the better team got out in front, and that was the end of it. Yeah, that, that happens sometimes. I feel like that happens actually quite a bit with college football. It's like the weekends that bring the big most anticipation sometimes end up kind of being a dud, and then. Maybe you go into a weekend where you feel like nothing's going to happen, and then there's like a, ends up being a few bangers on the schedule, and then maybe that'll happen this week. But yeah, I was I was hesitant this to week, go to this week. Seems dry outside of Ohio bit. State, Oregon. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. By the way, Ohio State's playing Oregon, which we're going to talk about uh, in a few minutes and give our picks and stuff like that. Um, but I was I was hesitant to go to the Penn State Wisconsin game only because like I wanted to be in front of a TV on a couch somewhere watching as much football as I could, but then. Uh, so I didn't watch. I watched that game. I didn't see any other noon games. I didn't see really anything in the three thirty window. And when I got to my hotel later that night to watch Clemson and Georgia, like I didn't really feel like I'd miss much, uh, which was good for me. But I guess maybe maybe for not all that an exciting Saturday for people who are watching at home. But I did think um, the results were interesting from the perspective of an Ohio State fan. I'm kind of curious how people listening to this kind of like took everything that happened in this weekend because on one hand. If you were like, I don't know, feeling uneasy about how C.J. Stroud played, maybe how Ohio State like looked in general, like Oklahoma didn't look particularly sharp neither did its star quarterback. Clemson didn't look particularly sharp neither did its young star quarterback. You know, Georgia's defense looks great, but its offense just kind of looked okay. Like all these teams that are in a playoff conversation looked like they still have a lot to figure out, except for Alabama, <laughs> yeah, who uh, who <laughs> remains uh, a damn buzzsaw, apparently. Yeah, because I mean, apparently, like I think Georgia proved to me that they're one of the three best teams in college football over the weekend because they actually beat a team that's also in the conversation, and they were the only team to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think they get a little bit extra cachet than Alabama beating up on Miami. But then on the other hand, too, it's just like, how do you take the fact that they didn't score an offensive touchdown? Like, is it? Two really good defenses and, like, uh, you know, playing a tough game and, you know, that's the reason for it? Or is it just both teams' offenses are going to be dry this year? And that's the f- funny thing, too, as somebody who went to the Wisconsin-Penn State game, me, uh, including myself, were making jokes, and a lot of people also were, about how the Wisconsin-Penn State game was torture to watch. And I even made a tweet during the game saying, Bill Landis bailed on our television weekend <laughs> and went to Penn State with his girlfriend this is the karma that he gets, you know? And it's just like, well, if you look at the, the, I I feel like we catch ourselves doing the same thing too. It's like a, it's a high level sec game with a bunch of great defense and those athletes all over the field are kicking ass. And then like the Penn state Wisconsin game is just like a, the butt of a joke, you know? And it's just like, I don't know how much different I think maybe it's because we just know that there's more talent on the field in the Clemson Georgia game that they get our respect but if the same exact game would have happened in Wisconsin, like the same play-by-play, 
been the same result, it would have been the butt of every joke in America. It still already kind of was. It, it, it yeah, it was and yeah, and it is. Um, I will say, like having having watched the Wisconsin Penn State game in person, like I thought those defenses both looked looked okay, but like Georgia's defense is just on another level. I think that much is apparent, and it's the, it's the quality of player kind of across the board. But I think you are right. It's like what at the end of the day, like what is the major difference between how those two games played out? Like at least Penn State and Wisconsin scored offensive touchdowns. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it was um, because Wisconsin refused to make an offensive adjustment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was not fun trying to watch uh, Graham Mertz or Sean Clifford try to play quarterback. Sean Clifford had got a couple of nice throws, but but neither of those guys are particularly good. Um, which maybe is is a good segue to talking a little bit about what we saw kind of around the Big Ten, and maybe start with that game. Um, and I'll offer. <laughs> Uh, I was wrong. Uh, shocker! I've already been wrong on two predictions so far. Uh, one being that Clemson was going to be an undefeated regular season team that was number one in the college football playoff rankings. That's not going to happen. And two was that Wisconsin was going to have this major bounce back year, kind of led by a guy who I thought was an NFL caliber quarterback in Graham Mertz. And I suppose that can still happen, but nothing happened on Saturday that leads me to believe I'm going to be proven right uh, by the time the season's over. Yeah, I guess we could just make this quick because I think people are probably excited to get to Oregon and we'll get to it, but. Graham Mertz has been at Wisconsin long enough for him to be good. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess everybody could say he's young. He hasn't been able to prove himself yet. It's just like he's going on two years in the program, you know, and I think it's fair to question whether or not he is going to be what people thought he was because that was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to question how Wisconsin develops that position in general because, like, Jack Cohn was kind of slinging it around a little bit for Notre Dame on Sunday night. And I saw I saw a tweet that made me laugh, and it said, well, it turns out that Jack Cohn had a Wisconsin problem. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> for real. Yeah, and Wisconsin, doesn't, Wisconsin didn't have a Jack Cohn problem. And I thought that Notre Dame – I thought Florida State was the play on Sunday night because of Jack Cohn. And boy, was I wrong. Now, the bet ended up hitting because right. Florida State only lost by three when it was a seven-and-a-half-point game. But Notre Dame's offense was clearly superior. Like, they were a much better team. So, I don't know. I guess that kind of changed my viewpoint a little bit on, on Cone and Notre Dame. I don't think they're going to win a national championship, but, you know, maybe they'll get to 9-10 wins again. Uh, but it's funny because while you saying that you didn't miss anything, you missed that Oregon literally almost lost to Fresno State on Saturday. Yeah, I was following along with that score uh, in the car as we were making our way from Madison to somewhere in Illinois where we eat gas station gas station pizza for dinner. Um, I like I don't. It was on Pac-12 Network, which I don't think is like a real channel. So I don't know if you were watching it live or just like kind of following along with the score. But like as it was happening, were people thinking to themselves like Oregon is going to lose at Fresno State? I was watching the live odds, and there was a time where they were underdogs <laughs> to win outright. Yeah. So That's, uh, it was hard to track the game because it was on Pac-12 Network, but they were in danger of losing. I've only watched, for the purposes of talking about Oregon in this podcast, I watched what I could, which is like a 25-minute cut-up of the game, but you don't really get the vibe for how things were trending during that. There's like no feel for momentum. Um but even the final score, like I, I think I said last week, like Fresno State is not a cupcake. Like it's a decent mid-level team to open up your season with. But that said, like Oregon shouldn't be messing around with almost losing to them at home. Yeah, well, it's just the thing that is interesting to me is the Pac-12 is just a disaster. 
like, I don't know that there's any other way to put it. Um, and Oregon is the premier program right now of the Pac-12. But I don't know if that necessarily means anything. Yeah, I don't. It's hard. It's hard to to get up. I think for a Pac-12 game. Even Ryan Day today said uh, during his press conference, and and I don't. He was just like kind of talking, and it came out this way. He's like, we saw Luke Whipler. He's like, well, Luke Whipler proved uh, that he can play against a conference opponent, but this is something different now. This is the Pac-12, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? What do you mean? Yeah, it's worse. The Pac-12 stinks. Um, Washington lost to Montana. I don't know what the hell else happened in that conference, but Washington lost to Montana. That's all I really care about. Washington um, State lost to a. Uh... Utah State. Utah State, yeah. Um, Michigan plays Washington this week in a game, by the way, that I no longer feel means all that much. Um, yeah, the Pac-12 doesn't doesn't get the juices going. Uh, bad weekend for the Alliance, I would say. The Alliance, I think, did not did not show its strength uh, over the first weekend of college football, maybe like outside of Ohio State uh, and Penn State getting, getting some nice wins. But it does it, it leads me to this question, like the idea that, that Oregon almost lost to Fresno. The Pac-12, I don't think, does much of anything for anybody. The Pac-12 but North went one and five this weekend, and the only team that won was Oregon. Oregon Cal, Cal lost. Purdue beat Oregon State. Uh, Cal lost to Nevada. Um, Stanford lost to Kansas State. Um, Washington lost to Montana, and Washington State lost to Utah State. Hmm. Like that, that's, that's like, brutal. That's yeah. brutal. <laughs> Yeah. So. so like so like <laughs> so then what it like so what is this on like it's number three Ohio State versus number twelve Oregon. I feel like we've been waiting forever for this game because it didn't happen last year in Eugene. Like, is, I know we've had conversations about this before. Like on paper, this looks like it should be a big, monumental, important game. Is it going to feel like that when they get on the field on Saturday? Like, what was that your anticipation for this? This game is sexy because Oregon is a sexy team. They kind of usually game. they have a helmet game. Yeah, it's a helmet game, but they actually literally do have great helmets, yep. and their uniforms are cool. They're the team that Ohio State beat in the national championship game. The only team from the Pac-12 outside of Washington to make the college football playoff, and that was now seven years ago. Uh, Mario Cristobal has been recruiting much much better, though I don't think that the impact of those recruits is going to be felt on the roster for another few years. And Oregon is just viewed as a fast high tempo offensive juggernaut because that's what we all grew up thinking but i don't think that is what oregon is right now it's not what they are at all like your chris olave had interviews on on tuesday and he was talking about growing up being like an oregon fan and wanting to go to oregon and loving chip kelly and there were questions for ryan day about like chip kelly building up oregon to what it was when he had it going in a take day like that's not what oregon is anymore i don't know if like that's just, I, I suppose you have to acknowledge that because that's where the program started to get built up to what it is now, and it's still a good program, but it ain't that. UCLA is better than them this year. Uh, maybe I think they could be. I mean, based Oregon, on what I saw on Saturday, UCLA. I think UCLA, UCLA's offense might be better than Oregon's offense. I don't like Oregon has dudes on defense, which yeah. we'll get to, we'll get we'll get to. Um, there's like they're they're number nine in the talent composite. Um, that we were talking about last week in UCLA. I don't know what's UCLA like in the 30s in that maybe. I don't know. They've they've finished like their classes the last three years under Chip Kelly. I think are 29, 33, and 40 or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know if they played if if like Oregon and Utah or UCLA played tomorrow. I think I'd pick Oregon. Um, 
But the fact that it's, it's like you can say that and it's not like insane, I think, is a little bit of a I mean, the thing that impre- exactly impressed me about UCLA was that they beat the shit out of LSU on the lines. And I think like that's the yeah. reason that Oregon is supposed to be the best team in the Pac-12, right? They have superior line talent. Like Mario really Cristobal has done lines. a very did a good very, yeah. very good job of recruiting in the trenches and in the Pac-12. That's where a lot of the programs have struggled. And, and it's like I think it's funny that we view Oregon as a skill position juggernaut, but really it's just the best, most physical team in the trenches in their conference. Yeah, I think that's true, but. There's there's a pretty like important unknown with this game when it comes to Oregon and in it, and its ability in the trenches and that's the the health status of Kayvon Thibodeau, their defensive end who's a five star prospect he's he's probably the best player in college football right now. Um, it like had he like a strip ankle. sack like a minute into the game. He looked like for I mean they were playing Fresno State so take it for what it's worth but like for the five drives that he played he looked like Chase Young looked when he was playing here two years ago. Um, rolled his ankle, did not return to that game, and. Again, not based off watching the whole game, but based off the highlights that were available because Pac-12 Network sucks. Uh, looked like a totally different defense with Kayvon Thibodeau not in the game. Like, it was pressure, 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 and then he was out of the game, and they could get no pressure on Fresno State unless they were blitzing guys. So, like, if Kayvon Thibodeau can't play against Ohio State on Saturday, I almost feel like this game is, like, not even worth breaking down because I think he's that important to what Oregon does. I think he's, like, that that transcendent of a talent. If he can play, even if he's not 100%, I think he's a guy who can wreck a game. Um, so I don't know. I, I think like Ohio State prepares is preparing, obviously, as if he will play. I think Oregon right now is like trying to, to do a little gamesmanship with, with his status. I have no idea. I didn't even see the injury. I just know he got hurt. Um, Let me tell you, so as somebody I, who rolled their ankle recently, it really sucks. I still I can't walk without pain. Ankle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a finely tuned athletic machine. As you, you know, you and I are too. But yeah. He's in a little, he's a, he's in a little better shape uh, than we are. He probably did not have a jalapeno popper chicken sandwich for lunch today, like I did. Um, <laughs> I mean, he might have. On it. Yeah. He's, well, we can talk about that in a little bit too, because that was a, that was a damn good sandwich. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're going to make our picks later and like talk about, I guess, how we're feeling about the, the, the matchup here. But if Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't play, is it does that totally like take the air out of, out of the balloon for you? I mean, let me ask you this. After watching what you watched in person last week in Minnesota and kind of getting a feel for what college football is right now as a whole and take Alabama out of the equation because they're not worth analyzing uh, – do you feel okay, better, worse about what you saw from Ohio State? And, like, are they a juggernaut right now to you? Or are they a team that is deeply flawed and needs to 
kind of overcome those. And I guess deeply flawed is probably a little bit dramatic. Yeah. Because deeply flawed, I think, implies that there's no solution to those problems. But Ohio State did have some issues that need to be sorted out, I think. They, they do. I, it's funny. I, when, you, when you ask me that, I always think of uh, Tim May in the press box after Ohio State would like beat some shitty team by 50, but I'll be writing our stories, and then it's dead silent, and you'd hear Tim May go, are there two Gs in Juggernaut? <laughs> <laughs> He's, it, by the way, Tim May made that joke once a week. So I know, but it was funny every time he did it. <laughs> um, no, they are uh, – I think, I think Ohio State is, is, is building towards something. They're not there yet. Um, and – I feel fine, pretty fine offensively. Um, I thought the line was good. I thought the receivers – I mean, the receivers are awesome. As long as they do all the stuff at running back that we were talking about after the game, which is like play the good guys. You mean um, just hand I the ball off to different people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think okay. they'll be good there. Um, I don't – I didn't feel all that bad about C.J. Stroud coming out of the game. I think I feel like a little better sort of removed from it, and maybe that's just like kind of like calming down and coming out of the moment and not being so reactionary. I went back and watched Justin Fields' 2019 first game against Florida Atlantic, and like he was good in that game, and his stats were better than C.J. Stroud's were. But he was also like he wasn't ripping the ball through windows either. He was he was throwing to wide open receivers. Um, he made some plays on the run that C.J. Stroud didn't make, but like I don't know. I think like comparing the two side by side, I don't think like C.J. Stroud's was an abomination, and Justin Fields is a masterpiece. I think like it was a young quarterback in his first game, and he's going to get better. Um, it's a harder test this week against Oregon's defense. For sure, but um, offensively, I feel okay. The, Can I, I say all, all something? All the questions I have are about the defense. Yeah, at the ahead. risk of sounding like an asshole. Yeah, was that ever stopped you before? Are we sure? And maybe since Mo Ibrahim uh, is out now for the year, it's different. But are we one hundred percent sure that Minnesota isn't as good as Oregon? Um. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Uh. I think Minnesota is not as good as Oregon, but I don't think the gap is all that wide. Okay, I just <laughs> I'm not sure that I think Oregon's better than Minnesota, With, especially is, without Thibodeau. Like, yeah, if he doesn't play, it's, but it's still like they don't have like Noah Sewell and Justin Flo and Michael Wright, their cornerback, and obviously Kayvon Thibodeau. Like Minnesota doesn't have dudes like that on either side of the ball. Even Mo, even Mo Ibrahim, who I like a lot, and I was I was sad to see that he's out for the year, um, isn't isn't that level of talent. Don't go messing up my Devi roster stock, stock right now, okay? Listen, man, uh, I have Mo on our fantasy team, and uh, I'm not going to have you slandering my future asset later on. I don't like I don't like running backs in the NFL who run two contact, and that's what Mo Ibrahim is. Okay, GM Landis. Yeah. <laughs> just I just think I got guys who run away from people. What does Derrick Henry do? Does Derrick Henry run away from contact? Yeah, but he's a freight train. Like he's different. Uh, okay, I just didn't know if like if that applied to everybody. Six, no, if you're six three okay. two thirty, I, I give you some leeway. But when you're five <laughs> yeah. foot seven okay. or whatever, Mo Ibrahim is, it's a little different. Um, no, I think I think that I think that Oregon is a step up from Minnesota. Yeah, um, the I line doesn't think so. Well, that's what's interesting. Like, I know one was on the road and it was an opening game, and you know, I, I get that. But same but what line. What is that line? Is that line like, like Kayvon Thibodeau's not playing? Is that what that line is? It's been like, fourteen four- since the beginning. Has it? Okay. Yeah. It's four- I looked at Bet MGM before we started recording this. It was fourteen and a half, and the yeah, total was sixty three and a half. I think fourteen and a half is the Thibodeau might not play line. Yeah. That's that's what I think too, because I think there was a time where it was like maybe a point or two lower than that. Um, 
like 13 or I don't know if it ever got down to 12. Because I do think that Oregon's going to score. Well, that's what that's what I was going to say. I think I think Oregon is more talented than Minnesota. Minnesota has a better idea of what it is, particularly offensively, than Oregon does, and I think that matters. But I think when I'm going up against Ohio State, I would much rather just have like the better athletes, and Oregon has athletes. Like they have speed, they speed on defense, they speed at receiver. Like they have they have Micah Pittman or like Troy Franklin was. Like, I remember when he committed. Like that, you wrote like several stories about that. Then he wasn't like a yeah, huge Menlo. deal with Troy Franklin. Oh yeah, um, he he didn't play last week. He's a true freshman this year. But I think if he were healthy, like he would have been the number one receiver. And it sounds like he's going to play this week. Um, so there are dudes on this team that just like aren't on Minnesota's roster, and frankly, like aren't in the Big Ten. Like Noah Sewell and, and Justin Flo are both five star, top fifteen caliber linebackers that I don't think Ohio State comes across all that often. I, I don't think linebackers can win you games, but um, they're noticeable when they're out there. They play with their hair on fire, and then Thibodeau is, is a freak alien. So if he's playing, who might be the late, first overall pick in the draft this year? If people yeah, don't know who he is, yeah, I think he will be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. I. I will compare him to Chase Young in like a, in the shorthand, just to give Ohio State fans an idea of like what we're talking about here. Maybe he's not quite that good, but he's he's very good. Um, and I don't think they saw anything close to that last week. Yeah, I already know what my column would be if I were covering this. What is it? Tell me it so I can uh, pocket it and then write it. Go search for the 2018 column. After the Michigan State game that I wrote. Do you remember what that would be? It was a pretty famous one that got me into a little bit of trouble. People oh, people were a little uh, mad, and we were sitting next to each other. Yeah, because I wrote about Tate Martell, red zone quarterback in that game. And you, what did you write about, like, a fake good win? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State had been coming off of a bad week. And then they went to Michigan State and won by, like, 14 or something. It was a... In terrible weather. In it was terrible weather. I think that might have even been the... Uh, that might have even been the punter is the MVP game. Huge Drew Christman game. Yeah. And I just wrote, you guys just have fun with this one. This wasn't a good win. It's fake. Yeah. It's fool's go. And people were just like, and people were like, why can't you let us enjoy anything? Why do you have to be so? And uh, it, was a, it was a fake good win. So I, I think that Ohio State's that, yeah. goal this year with the quarterback and with some of the injuries that they have in the secondary and the youth that they're relying on has a very reasonable goal of, I don't care what it looks like, get the three and O and then regroup with a very manageable part of our schedule. So we know what we are by the middle of the season. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think that Ohio state's in danger of losing this game. And I don't think that if they beat the crap out of them, it means that they're all of a sudden Bama right now. I think that you need to be measured in what you take away from this game before it happens. So, like, to me, I don't know if we'll get to our picks, but, like, I think Ohio State's going to cover quite easily. 2018, uh, they lost to Purdue. They came back the next week at home and beat Nebraska by a touchdown. And, like, that was, like, the Adrian Martinez game. Um, and then the week after that, in East Lansing, they won 26-6. to uh, And a noon, noon gray kick in East Lansing, as they typically are. And uh, Drew Christman Drew Christman played the game of his life, and then Ari said, don't celebrate this win, losers. This is a fake good win. Your Ohio State act like it. <laughs> is that what I wrote? <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to look. I wanna, I'm trying to find it now, what you wrote. Because I, I, I remember, to, I remember yeah. that really. I think really all you have to do is people. type in Ari Wasserman, fake good win. 
Um, Let's see. Oh, here it is. Here's the headline. All right. What uh, is assessing Ohio State's victory at Michigan State colon was that a quote fake good win? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just all, it's just all the Buckeyes underneath it celebrating, singing the song afterwards. Yeah, I was just like, okay, congratulations, you guys beat a dog shit team on the road, and your punter was the most effective game player. And that was a November game, if I remember correctly, too. So, like, yeah. also, I don't think I would have written that if that game was in early October. But, like, the fact is, is, like, you're three weeks away from playing in the Big Ten championship game, and uh, your playoff hopes are on the line, and, like, this isn't something to celebrate. Drew Crispin pinned Michigan State inside its five-yard line five six times, times in the six, six times? times in the second half. Six times in the second half. Trivia question. That was the game. That was the game where Michigan took the safety on purpose. <laughs> Michigan State took the safety on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Trivia question. Do you remember where we ate dinner the night before that? Um. Was it a Chili's? It was not. I don't. Uh, Max and Irma's. It was something. I can't remember what the name of it was. I just remember I got pretzels and cheese before we started eating. I think and it was I, Max and Irma's because I, I got chicken tortilla soup. That's not where we were. That was the that was the Michigan State trip in 2016. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying Great to remember what it was. Like. But I got I, – because I, you picked me up from the, the airport in Detroit, remember? Yes, yes, yes. And yes. I was visiting Britt, uh, and, I, and I came back. Uh, yeah, man, time flies, man. Jeez. Always so, a party in East Lansing. Max and Irma's, Chili's, you name it. You name the chain restaurant, they have it. Yeah, I just remember I was like super hungry when you picked me up. Uh, and uh, it was a banger. And then I think after the game, we went to Pizza Popolis in downtown Detroit. That sounds right. Pizza Popolis, also not that good. I thought it was great. I was very disappointed that you didn't like it. But Michigan but, State Michigan State that year was 6-7 and seven and then lost to Oregon. Oh wait, no, sorry. They were seven and six and lost to Oregon in the Red Box Bowl. Um, and that like, was the think... worst bowl game of all time. Wasn't yes, the final was, score like three nothing? Okay, it was yeah. seven to six. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, <laughs> because uh, yeah, I remember we got the Rose Bowl. We were at the Rose game. Bowl watching that game. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, this is not going to be that. Or like, let's Oregon is better than that. This game is. It's not more important than that because this is the kind of game where like Ohio State could actually lose and be fine. Um. That's like the secret to all these big non-conference games. Um, but it's going to be if Ohio State, if and when Ohio State wins, I suppose it could get blown out of proportion a little bit. But it's not going to be what that game was. It's not going to be a fake good win. I think it'll be a good win. I think it'll just be like solid. It was funny because it's funny you bring that up. I was on the radio station in Atlanta yesterday. Uh, having a talk and they radio host asked me if Clemson wins the rest of their games and then wins the ACC what do you think their chances are of making the playoff and I said like 95 (laughs) (laughs) percent and the guy and the guy was appalled he was like are you kidding me after what our Bulldogs did to them, like they have, they should no longer be in the playoff. I'm like, have you watched college football? Like <laughs> How one this works. Lo- you're, you're saying like one loss conference champion and their only loss would have been to a Georgia team on a neutral site in week one. Yeah. I think they're going to be fine. Like, yeah, I think there's just like this yeah. idea that people think that if you lose in the non-conference that your playoff, it's like people are going to lose 
crazy stuff's going to happen. If you're a one-loss conference champ and your one loss came out of the non-conference, I think you're like, it doesn't matter who you are. I think. I mean, right. I guess, yeah, I think, like, UNC losing, to use a Clemson example, we can also say the same thing about Ohio State as it relates to the Big Ten. Like, maybe your conference in the end – People make it nervous about your conference again not being quite good enough to 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 lift you beyond that early season non-conference loss, but I think that only happens if like one of Georgia or Alabama is undefeated, the other one only has one loss. Like Oklahoma is undefeated, and then like I don't know Notre Dame is undefeated, or someone from the Pac-12 is undefeated. Even if someone from the Pac-12 is undefeated, I don't know if they'd get in over a one-loss Ohio State or Clemson with a conference championship. So like, it's not impossible. But a lot would have to kind of like snowball to work against you for you to knock it in, even if you were to lose the game like Ohio State's playing. I want to say I I got invited to do the uh, mock playoff committee thing this year in Texas where they like let media members do the playoff committee stuff so that we get an idea. And it's the day that my babies do. And I'm very disappointed that I don't get to do that because I really want to do that. Can you just like tell the baby to hold off a day? Yeah, I uh, I uh, I feel like it's more of I can't commit to them. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I do feel like it would be very interesting to go through that process because I kind of feel like we all have a pretty good grasp of the way this works now, having gone through it for seven years. And, you know, being an Ohio State beat writer probably is the most qualifying position as a, as a writer to understand the way the playoff works because no other team has been in the positions that they've been in for the past seven years. And it's every single year it's a discussion about something, whether it be seeding or whether they're going to – backdoor into the four spot or be left out and every yep. scenario that you could think of like from the first year where they won the national championship like hopping over co-champions to uh you know being left out of of games to being the first team to not win one of the first teams to not win their conference to get in over the team that beat them head to head and still won the con i mean they every scenario you think ohio state's been a part of it so um yeah i i don't know if I would say that Ohio State's season is over if they lose to Oregon. In fact, I wouldn't say that. But, like, I don't know if this game even brings me to that point. Like, I don't even – I'm not even thinking about them losing. Like, yeah. and I think that tells me more about the way I'm viewing this game than maybe the average person is. It's like this is the non-conference hype game. This is the game that was put on the schedule six years ago or ten years ago, and we've been looking forward to it. And it's just like Oregon's not that good. So I think Ohio State can win ugly and be forgiven for that. And I think it's possible, too, that this is the type of win that if they handle their business and they look good doing it, they can get some sort of cachet for it later on. Because, you know, there's fake cachet in the, in the committee discussions, too. Yeah. Like, you'll, it'll be like one of those things where Oregon is, is kind of a crappy team. Ohio State wins by 17 or 20. And then Oregon goes on to only lose one more game for the rest of the year and contends for the Pac-12 championship. And then week nine, you will hear the the college football playoff committee chair say, and they've got that impressive win over Oregon. It's like it's, <laughs> they're still going to have that, like, that – What? how does Doug put it? Doesn't he always say that he they get to harness or they – you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They get to harness the star power of it without actually beating somebody that's that good. I think that's a benefit. And I think this is really good scheduling by Ohio State's – um, scheduling department, and though you can't necessarily predict that this is the way it was going to work out. But this kind of reminds me of all those Alabama non-conference games. Like the Alabama is going to get credit for beating Miami this week when Miami's not that good. I think this is the exact same thing. Yeah, Nick Saban's scheduling wizard who always like plays like Miami, plays, plays a helmet game, plays Miami, plays USC on a neutral field, like kicks their ass, 
and everyone thinks it's an impressive win, but the truth is that that team was never very good to begin with. Um, I think I think maybe Oregon can be that because I don't know I don't know what Oregon is offensively. I'm not particularly impressed with their quarterback Anthony Brown. He can run a little bit. Um, he had a nice run against Fresno State. He doesn't scare with the game me much. on the line. He deserves credit for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't impress me much as a passer. But you know, we've also seen Ohio State struggle with with mobile slash running quarterbacks before in the past, which makes me wonder like if the the defense we saw against Minnesota, like in terms of like formation and who was playing, I almost like tossed in the garbage can because Minnesota was playing with nineteen offensive linemen on the field. I don't think Oregon's going to do that. Um, but I also wonder if like all the new shit we were hoping to see from Ohio State's defense this year. And I'm not saying they were going to totally rewrite their their plan, but I think we all anticipated they were going to like play more athletes and and maybe get a little more exotic and and not so stagnant in what they've done the last two years. Like that didn't happen against Minnesota. And I I want it to happen against Oregon. I like watching that Georgia defense fly around for four quarters against Clemson, um, and even like watching some of the dudes making plays in like the Penn State Wisconsin game. And, and it's not to say that I don't think Ohio State's defense against Minnesota was awful. Um, I just thought it was like kind of boring. It is boring. And, um, and like I want to see like some different stuff from them. I want to see dudes like flying around, playing fast, like looking like Ohio State caliber athletes on the defensive side. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Do you think that Ohio State not having a Chase Young type of player on their roster for the first time in a long time? has an impact on the way that you're viewing this defense? Yeah, probably. We're, we're used to seeing, like, one guy out there who could just, like, totally wreck someone's day. Um, they didn't have that last year. If they have that guy this year, it's probably JT Tulumaloa or Jack Sawyer, and I don't think they're ready to be that yet, clearly. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think Zach Harrison is going to get to that level. Happy to be proven wrong on that if he plays like a madman on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, I think that I think that does – frame my way but it's it's not even that chase young it's like 
they've had like Malik Hooker in the past and like Darren Lee in the past. You know what I mean? Like there's not and the guy's a corner who just like shut down their side of the field. Like there's if I'm an if I if I'm an opposing coach playing Ohio State and maybe I come at it from a different perspective because I'm so used to watching Ohio State for the last eight years. Like, I don't know if I look on the other side of the ball and, like, am terrified. And there have been times in the past where you look on the other side of the ball and you were terrified. Well, which players on the team do you think have the best chance of growing into that? Zach Harrison. The three guys I mentioned for sure, sure Zach Harrison, Tui Malowal, um, Jack Sawyer. Like, Cody Simon, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if, like, a Mike linebacker can ever really be that anymore. Um, he corner, played fast. He did play fast, yeah. Um, I, I thought he I thought he popped, actually, in that game a little bit. Um Josh Proctor, I don't think so. Like, I, I just think – I think we thought he was that, and I feel like he's played enough that maybe he's he's something short of that. And then at corner, I just like, I don't see it. They, they I, Maybe they can be good there. I don't know if they're going to be great there like they've been in the past. So Do you I think that Ohio know. State getting starting corners back this week is going to change the way the defense operates? I hope so. Um, Doug, Doug asked Kerry Combs that on, on – Tuesday, and I was glad he did because I was kind of thinking the same thing too. Like they didn't blitz very much against Minnesota. Again, weird game. They run the ball a lot. Kerry Combs made the point that like Minnesota will run the ball on third and nine, so you have to be more calculated. And and when you bring pressure, like traditional passing downs don't exist when you play Minnesota. Um, and ho- I, maybe this is a quote unquote more normal kind of matchup in that way. But I want to see it. Like they they don't when you have a Chase Young, you don't need the blitz because he's just in the backfield on every play. They don't have guys who live in the backfield, at least not yet. So they have to make up for that somehow. And, you know, Ohio State's probably good enough to just rely on its talent and play it straight up, and maybe that looks boring. Maybe they give up, like, some dink and dunk stuff, and it's frustrating, and they win the game. And I guess if that happens, who am I to fault them for it? But I don't find them particularly fun to watch with the way they play defense right now, and I wish they were more fun to watch. Let me put it this way, Bill. Which game do you think is harder? This game or the Minnesota game with the circumstances on the road in the opener? Um, not who's better, but what game is more difficult? Minnesota, I think, will be more difficult, especially defensively. That was that was odd with Minnesota. Minnesota had seven offensive linemen and then like a tight end who would be an offensive lineman on like half the teams in the FBS on the field at one time. There were like nine extra gaps for Ohio State to account for. There, I said to Kerry Combs, like, were you guys playing your goal line defense on like second and seven from the fifty yard line? It's like because that's what it looked like out there. Um. And I don't know if they were expecting that, and they were trying to match personnel, and it was really difficult. So, um, like, Joe Moorhead's a really good offensive coordinator, Oregon's offensive coordinator who used to be at Penn State. So I don't – maybe he'll have something that we haven't seen yet that will be harder, hard for Ohio State to defend too, but my inclination is that that Minnesota game will be more of a challenge for Ohio State's defense in this Maryland – or this Oregon game will be. This Maryland game. Maryland. That's kind of what this feels like to me. Maryland beat West Virginia, by the way. Um, yeah, kind of sneaky, talented team that – has cool uniforms. Maryland is supposed oh, yeah. to be the Oregon of the East. Did you know that? With their that, Under Armour, that, Under Armour was partnership, that, was that there? Was that the division the there? Uh, I wrote a I wrote a post on Cleveland.com maybe seven years ago now, saying the biggest sleeping uh, giants in college football, and I put Maryland on there with the idea that uh, they could duplicate what Oregon did with the Under Armour money and. All that stuff, and I think I was pretty wrong about that, but that's kind of like the blueprint, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I think they might need a, a new coach to do that. But Although, I think like Mike Loxley by this point might have matched his win total from the four years he was at New Mexico, and he's been at Maryland for like eight days. So, um, 
maybe maybe that's going in the right direction. Anyway, um, all right. Do we want to get to our picks then? Like, I don't, is there anything else you want to say? Like about like kind of like I don't know, setting the table for this game about what you're thinking about like matchups or whatever the talent. Like, does the fact that Oregon's number nine at talent composite like do anything for you? Yeah. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> I think that it's going to be. A nice challenge for Ohio State's defense. I'm very curious to see if Ohio State's offense can just blow them off the field. Because I think that of all the things, too, that you, I think Ohio State fans want to see, obviously they want to see knockdown corners, lockdown corners, exciting playmaking ability on the defensive side of the ball, maybe a pass rusher that can make uh, Oregon's day the living hell. But I think they really want to see C.J. Stroud just flash. Yeah, I think they. I think that fans want to see that. I want to see that, and in this scenario, especially if if Thibodeau doesn't play, it would be nice to see C.J. Stroud throw four touchdowns and get closer to what they need him to be. Not that he. I'm not saying that he's not that, but prove to people that he can be that. Because I think there's a lot of people who are doubting whether or not there was too many less ship Quinn Ewers into the into the game tweets out there for my liking in the first half of that, and I think that that stays with people. Yeah, and I think I think this will be a harder. I it's, I think the Minnesota game was harder on Ohio State's defense than this game will be, but I do think this game will be much harder on Ohio State's offense than the Minnesota game was, mostly because Oregon just has better players on defense. But you know, like Mike, Michael Wright, their corner is probably like a borderline first round corner. I think he was like in the top fifty of Dame Brugler's draft prospects for this year. Like he's a good player. Maybe that means that Ohio State's receivers aren't running with 10 yards of space between them and the cornerbacks all day. Maybe they will because they're really good, and that usually happens when they play good defensive backs anyway. But, like, Sewell and Flo, I think, will be blitzing quite a bit. If Thibodeau plays, he is a total game changer. Um, they were doing – watching what I could of the Fresno State game, it felt to me like Oregon was doing some of the stuff – the blitzing stuff where it would twist its linebackers like Indiana did last year that gave Ohio State fits. Um, now this is a different quarterback setting the protections – totally different interior offensive line. So it's not to say that those same struggles would carry over. Um, although Luke Whippler could be playing center um, again, and he's, he's rather inexperienced. Um, so I do, th- I do think CJ Stroud and the offense could end up being challenged, at least throwing the ball. I still think Ohio state could line it up and run it down Oregon's throat for, for four quarters if it wanted to. Um, and maybe they will do that. Um, but yeah, I like just kind of taking it all in. I was, I, I did watch, I watched Thibodeau play and like his strip sack and then the other sack that he had after that. I thought to myself, like, man, that guy looks good enough that I like might entertain picking Ohio State to lose. Um, and then I just watched more, and they were so so different without him that especially if he doesn't play, like I don't think Oregon has a shot. But even if he does play, I don't I don't think he's that transcendent that he can make up the difference across the board and, and help Oregon win the game. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on all that stuff, man. I uh, I just I just don't see it. And I think that every week we have to get creative to try to see, well, what, what kind of world can exist for Ohio State to lose? And I don't know what that world is in this in this matchup. I think Thibodeau knock, plays the game, plays at a high level, knocks C.J. Stroud around. But even then, if that happens, I think Ohio State could run the ball down their throat. Yeah, I think I, – I, I don't know if Oregon can beat Ohio State up front as consistently as it needs to to win the game. And also, I don't think they're good enough at quarterback. Now, and we've seen teams beat Ohio State when they're not when they've not been good, not been good at quarterback. Um, those are very fluky, like you know, Purdue Iowa kind of losses. This isn't this isn't that kind of game. This is this is like 
this is not a talent equated game, but I think Ryan Day, because it's a helmet game, as we said, can kind of treat it that way and get his players to believe that it is. So it's like they're not going to go sleepwalking into a game against Oregon. Um, and then like you kind of match them up both sides. I just I don't I don't think Oregon has quite enough. I think Oregon is like not far off. I actually think Oregon is kind of similar to Penn State, where I think the defense is pretty good and has some guys you need to worry about. Is pretty good at receiver. Um, Oregon's probably better up front maybe than Penn State is on the offense, but the quarterback just leaves a lot to be desired, and I, I don't think you can win a talent equated game with Ohio State when you're, when you're suffering at that much of a disadvantage at quarterback. I agree. All right, so let's do picks. Spread is – we'll go with the 14-and-a-half spread, which which we had um, on Tuesday afternoon as, as we recorded this. What is your pick for Ohio State versus Oregon? 49-24 Ohio State. 49-24 I think I'm a little closer than that. I said uh, I was on a podcast uh, on Monday and wasn't really thinking straight, and I think I picked Ohio State to win by like 20. And I'm not, I like the more I think about it, I can't get quite on board with that. Um, I think I'm going to pick. 20 too much? No, but I think I'm going to pick Oregon to cover. Um, oh, wow. I, I'm going to pick Ohio State 48, Oregon 38. Um, and that's mostly just because I f- don't. Everything I just said about Oregon's quarterback not being good enough for him to win the game, I, like I believe. But I think there if Oregon guys, scores thirty-eight points, Ohio State's going to have a long day. Yeah, I don't. It's mostly like my way of saying I don't know what to think about this defense yet. Like I don't. I feel like I feel like I had all these questions about Ohio State's defense coming into the season, and I know I wasn't alone in that. And like none of them got answered against Minnesota. So I think I still the defense. Don't know I think them. the defense could be leave a sour taste in your mouth and give up twenty-four points. I don't yeah. think the defense. I don't think the defense performed all that well against Minnesota, and that's roughly how much they gave up, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, thirty-eight. If they if they give up thirty-eight to this offense, I think they got some major problems. They might. That's they a might. lot. That's a lot of points. I think they could have major problems. So like, I'm gonna like predict it, and I'll again, I'll be happy to be wrong, but um, I was not. I was not impressed last week. They just like felt unprepared to me. Which is not a great sign, in my opinion. So we'll see. Maybe so Landis has got the over. Then I got the over. I have Ohio State winning. I don't know. I mean, it's a ten point game, so I guess you sweat in a ten point game. I don't know if I if I'm gonna if Ohio State's ever gonna feel like it's like actually going to lose, but I think like Oregon's just gonna keep hanging around. It's gonna be a high scoring game, forty eight thirty eight. Yeah, fair enough. Go Bucks. All right. So that's our Ohio State Oregon takes. You want to talk about this chicken sandwich I have? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, I got all the, this uh, is a spicy chicken sandwich with cream cheese and jalapenos on it, right? Uh, and I think like cheddar cheese too. Oh, you got a little cheddar in there, bud. There were two kind of cheeses <laughs> on there and bacon. It was really good. The jalapeno popper chicken sandwich, spicy sandwich, whatever it is, um, from Wendy's. How long do you have to wait for it? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. I was the only person <laughs> in the drive-through line. How I long caught, did you have to I, wait for it? <laughs> not, not not long actually. I, I caught it after football interviews. It was like two thirty. Okay. So so I, I think it was a good time. Was it the um, one on Fifth Avenue there or on King? Yes. Yeah. On Fifth. On, by the yeah, by the uh, Duncan. Right, or by, the, right by that Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons. Yeah. Yeah. Been yeah. there a few times. <laughs> yeah. Once or twice. Um, it was good. I I, I still think. Uh, Wendy's has the best chicken sandwich in the game with the spicy chicken sandwich, and I thought this was a nice a nice take on the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. How long did it take them to get, make your sandwich? Be honest. I'm, Don't lie I'm to me. Being, I'm being 100% honest when I say I ordered, I pulled up, I paid, I went to the next window, and it might have been 10 seconds before they handed me the bag with my sandwich in it. That's never happened to me at Wendy's. Not a single time. When, it was, when, he, handed me, when he handed me the sandwich, I did thought Did you think myself, about it? Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, I just 
there's a lot of gimmicky um, fast food sandwiches out there. And I've always just been a simple person. Like the, the pastrami burger and the rodeo burger and the double baconator. And I just like, give me a, a, a nice patty or two with lettuce, tomato, and onion and pickles on it. And, and that's it. Yeah. Like I've never, like that doesn't sound good. That seems a little bit much to me. And I, and I like the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich, but when I order it, I just order a uh, spicy chicken sandwich, no tomato, lettuce, and extra mayonnaise. And to me, like that's perfect. Extra like, mayonnaise is the pro move. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that—that's how I order that sandwich. It's like the idea of putting jalapenos and bacon and all this stuff on it. Like I—I I don't like bacon on any of my sandwiches to begin with. So I know that's a very unpopular take, but I don't like just tasting. All I taste is the bacon, and I don't need it to overpower everything that I eat at all times. There's people who put bacon on their pizza, on their sandwiches, on their breakfast sandwiches. It's just like enough. They say that they have bacon on donuts now. It's just. It's, it's an okay flavor. I don't need to taste it every time I eat something. So, like, I, I think I've had that take with you before, too, of, like, I think bacon is the most overrated thing on the face of the earth. Not that it's not yeah. good. It's just it's incorporated in too many things now. I think that's a fair take. I like, I appreciate that you're a purist, and I do think that people can use bacon to mask the otherwise terrible flavors of whatever it is they're they're putting the bacon on, which is I just don't think okay that the flavor book. is good enough to be in everything. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big, big bacon guy. I think there's but bacon is best when it's on your plate at breakfast and you eat it with breakfast. Like I think a I good, agree. a good I slice agree. of bacon with your eggs in the morning is the best is bacon in the best form. I agree. Also, uh, like chopped up bacon on like a baked potato or like in a salad or something. That's that's yeah. pretty prime too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are like the natural habitats of it. That's right. It's like why do we why did why did America choose bacon to be the thing that's on everything? Like it's like the universal ingredient. Get bacon on this, get bacon on that. Do you want to add bacon? No, I I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to add bacon. I don't want it on my pizza. Bacon on pizza stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, this is good. I'm glad you're opening up about this. If you have bacon takes, please email Ari Wasserman at... Uh, and I think whatever, a lot of people think are like probably is. screaming at their phone right now or their computer. Like, I get it. Like, I'm probably not the... You know, you think I'm a psychopath for not putting bacon on my breakfast sandwich, which is a very appropriate place to put it, by the way. But it's just like <laughs> of all the things that we have, like the ingredients, the other thing that, that's kind of done this too is avocado recently. You know, mm. it's one of the other ingredients of just like avocado is now on everything. And I it's like just avocado. Like, I do too, but I don't want it on everything. I don't want it on everything, but it also when I do get it on like I had a I had a breakfast sandwich in Minneapolis. It was like a sausage egg and cheese. It had avocado on it, which like I normally wouldn't eat, but it also made me feel good like I was working a vegetable and although I think avocado might actually be a fruit. It's like the fattiest vegetable um, there is too, so yeah. enjoy it. Um <laughs> I think it was, it's actually it's really green. good for you, yeah. It's green, so like whatever. I tricked myself into thinking <laughs> that my my giant slices of sourdough bread and sausage patties and uh, whatever the hell else was on there. It's like were, were uh, healthy. If I were to make a universal ingredient that goes on everything, like I don't know that I would pick bacon. That's all I'm saying. Like Extra cheese, layout. cheese, cheese goes on everything. That's right. Yeah. Including the filet fish They have bacon, mac, and cheese. Like, no matter what you, you think of, bacon is part of it. And it's just, like, weird to me. I'm glad you got that off your chest. I think uh, for, for the 11 of you still listening uh, to, to Bacon Talk, we appreciate it. I did not say this during the show, uh, 
But make sure, if you have not subscribed to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash 4-6 right now and sign up. You still get 50% off, 50, 5 zero, half off, an annual subscription. And I think that runs through next week, maybe. Don't hold me to that. If you're thinking about it, I would do it now. Uh, it's a great deal. Get all of our college football coverage. NFL, we're in week one of the NFL season, so you can read all that coverage as well. Ari's recruiting mailbag. Um, I think is like a must read every week. You can sign up and read oh, that. Oh, wow. Thank go, you, man. Go to theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you 50% off. Ohio State plays Oregon at noon on Saturday. Uh, big noon kickoff on Fox. There's 10,000 tickets available for that game, by the way, if you were thinking about going, um, which is like a, kind of a high number to me, but maybe it'll sell out. Uh, we will be back after the game probably Sunday, Monday-ish with uh, post-game takes. So until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.